Welcome to the MandoCast, the Star Wars Reports podcast for discussing the latest episode of The Mandalorian on Disney+. I am your host, Michael Morris, and with me this week, from the 602 Club and Aggressive Negotiations, Matt Rushing. What's up, How's Michael? Going, buddy? So, this is another Filoni episode. Yes, another Filoni not only Not only did he uh, direct, but he also wrote this episode. Yeah. So yeah. this one yeah. was double duty. <laughs> yeah. And this uh, like this actually worked out perfectly because, of course, you know, I'm trying to get like all my friends on and everything from uh, or for different episodes and stuff. And then this one, you know, it's like, oh, it's another Filoni episode. So I was like, oh, you know what? That actually kind of worked out perfectly for you to be on <laughs> this one because I'm not sure there's enough. Uh, there, there, I, I don't know that I know anyone who's more of a Filoni fan. Now, Aaron Goins may say apologist, but I'll say fan. Uh, I, w- I would say that if um, if there was an official you know, fan club for Dave Filoni, um, I would run to be its president. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely, you know, I love the guy. I think he's incredible, uh, you know, Star Wars writer, uh, and uh, he's turning into a great director, uh, I think, as well, when it comes to live action. Obviously, he's already directed, mm-hmm. you know, many, many Clone Wars and Rebels episodes, so... But, uh, I I don't know about you, but did you think that this episode kind of felt like something that could have happened in the Clone Wars with a Cad Bane and young Boba Fett? I... I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I was... Definitely somewhere near the end, I was thinking Cad Bane. <laughs> I, Cad Bane definitely crossed my mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so we'll just, I mean, we'll just start from the beginning because there's so much to unpack here. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it starts off, you know, throws you right in the middle of a dogfight, um, which I kind of feel like, and you tell me if you if you feel differently, with the Mandalorian, where he definitely has his skill set, I wouldn't say he's probably one of the better pilots. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like he gets into a lot of dogfights, and I was thinking right. to myself too that the Razor Crest doesn't really have a lot of weapons and uh, defensive weapons. I I don't know why. He hasn't added, you know, rear guns to his ship, but he right. should probably get on that pretty soon if he's going to be on the run yeah. from people. Um, yeah, I well, and and well, <laughs> I would say this too: uh, rear guns without an a, another person on the ship really would take a droid, and he hates droids, so maybe that's why he doesn't <laughs> have any rear guns on his True. ship because he can't really run that and fly at the same time i guess unless they were like automatically targeting guns which i think you can still get so anyway rambling on to say i think you're right this is not really his forte he's more like obi-wan when it comes to flying flying is for (laughs) you know droids well not for droids for him but you know flying is just is to get you from one place to the next right yeah and he does I, I think the more that uh, we see the the Razor Crest, it kind of seems like the cargo van. You know, it's not it's not the souped up hot Are rod. Are you saying he's like got that. like a minivan? Because he's got the kid, you know, and he's got like the Star Wars minivan. <laughs> yes, that is. <laughs> now that you mention it, <laughs> he's, he's got like, the hey, caravan. It, he's got the old Dodge yeah. caravan. That's yeah. yeah. It's kind of what it looks like upside down. Yeah. 
He's, yeah. he's like, hey, man, I, you know, I've, it's all about necessity. I got to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it's plenty uh, of know, space. It's funny. I always think, uh, to me, when I first saw the Razor Quest, it reminds me of the, like, the B-25, the B-29 bombers, um, mm-hmm. that look, which I think is really cool. But, yeah, I was thinking to myself in this episode at the very beginning, like, he really does need to, to possibly upgrade you know, the weapon system and especially, you know, have some rear defenses if he's going to be chased around the galaxy like this. And and was that ship chasing him the same ship that like Ketsu had from Rebels or is that more like a headhunter? I couldn't tell what ship was following him. Uh, so, you know, I'll be honest now that uh, it, it just something for whatever reason did not cross my mind, but I, I think it was new. Um, okay. Because Ketsu had hers was, was it called the Shadow Hawk or something? Yeah, like something that? like that. And it yeah. looked kind of like that, and it looked like that. And a headhunter had had a baby. Yeah, but yeah, it was know. definitely. We didn't. Yeah, we never really it got new a, to me. But yeah, we never really got like I. I think of like a really clear image of it anyway. Because um, the the, well, the dogfight where it wasn't yeah, on fire. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the dogfight though <laughs> was was very quick. Um, and I think I thought it was really well shot too. I mean, it looked really yes. good for the budget that they're on for this show. And and yes, that's a huge budget, but still, uh, I thought it looked great. Uh, Filoni mm-hmm. did a great job of I think directing the the dogfight here, and you know he's got tons of experience with that with the Clone Wars with all the dogfights that they did. So, well, I loved the the shot where he's he's actually lining up the. Uh, uh, the razor crest in his sights, you know, because it wasn't it wasn't so much the your typical, um, you know, your typical uh, radar or, or whatever. It was almost like the old like World War One planes, where it's basically just the uh, you know the the metal ring that you look through, and you're like, all right, that should be about where I'm shooting. So I, I really loved that shot. Yeah, the the whole beginning to this was really fun, and I love the way that the Mando gets out of this because, mm-hmm. you know, he pulls back uh, because, well, and he gets shot at the same time, so it definitely helps. Right. Um, so but he pulls back <laughs> kind of a classic maneuver and, you know, lets the, the ship just sail over him and then he gets it in his sights and just blows it to pieces, which was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, well, I guess not. It's, it's almost like the reverse Top Gun maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, uh I would I would say uh, the Mandalorian's definitely more of an ice man. <laughs> right, right. Um what do you think about the whole I thought it was interesting, but I but I was like I I kind of curious like I, I want to know a little bit more about that where he's like I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold and of course he says oh that's my line. But I was like is that like is that something he's known for saying and then the you know like the other bounty hunters are kind of start taking it up and you know I don't know it was just something I was kind of curious about It did it did kind of seem like he's trademarked it you know with the new republic <laughs> right, and right. uh that's it's his like, trademark you phrase you know and um you know that guy was saying it without paying him and that's really one of the reasons why he wanted to shoot him down you know honestly he's right. losing, he's losing revenue with that so that's right <laughs> bounty hunters are cool but pirates are the worst exactly so <laughs> were you because i hadn't i i don't read any of the the synopsis or anything 
were you expecting mm-hmm. them to go to Tatooine? Or was that a surprise where you're like, what? Well, so the only thing that I have like really seen, uh, um, you know, as far as any sort of synopsis was on IMDb. And those are about, you know, they, they had this episode and the next one listed last week. And they're like one sentence and it pretty much all it said was, you know, the Mandalorian helps a bounty hunter who's in over his head. And that's it. Like, that's all that they said about it. So as soon as they, you know, they're like, oh, it's the uh, Mos Eisley uh, Space Tower or whatever. I was like, do what now? <laughs> like, I was like, wait, what? What? We're going, oh my God. You know, I was, I was super excited about it. But then I was even thinking, I'm like, you know, that kind of does remind me of the opening of A New Hope, where, you know, it starts off immediately, you've got the one ship tailing the other one, firing on it, you know, and then there's uh, Tatooine there in the distance. So it's like, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I think the thing about it is that it works for me. You know, it, it makes sense with the Mandalorian kind of on the, you know, the outer rim, just trying to stay away from trouble as much as he can, you know, that you would just be hopping planets out there. And that right. you you might be near the Tatooine system, so you know I think that that's it 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 worked for me in the sense that it wasn't about it being Tatooine. It just happens to be a planet that he ends up landing on, and we all know it because it's Star Wars. But he doesn't care. He's just like right, you know. Make, it, it's not it, it's not a purpose or anything, but it, it's just a fun place to be able to visit and do some some callbacks. But you know, also do some different things that we haven't done on Tatooine before. And, um, you know, I think that was the thing that stood out to me is that, you know, we got to interact with some things that we have seen in very different ways, which was cool. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, yeah, there's, like I said, there's so much. And, and, you know, and one thing that, like, I thought about it and... uh, I never, I haven't said it, and but it, but it was something that actually has crossed my mind like within the last couple of weeks. So I was like, man, I'd love to see some pit droids. And then sure enough, they just like <laughs> close up on pit droids, and I'm like, oh, like Dave Filoni, you read my mind because <laughs> I haven't even said it out loud. It was just something I thought in my head, and then there they are. Yeah, that was that was really fun. It's a great callback to to episode one, of course, but right. at the same time. Not just that, but I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, that's what those droids are made for, which is to help people repair ships and stuff. So, you know, this this woman running her own uh, docking bay and mm-hmm. repair center, you know, I mean, it, it is kind of like uh, the minivan is broken down and he got, he's got to take <laughs> it to the shop. And so right, right. I, I just thought all of that was kind of perfect. And it was nice to be able to finally be in a docking bay um, I still right. don't understand why they have never done this with uh, A New Hope, where they haven't re-edited uh, the scenes in the docking bay so that they open it up, so that you it's mm-hmm. like an entire docking bay instead of like this room where there's like a third of the Falcon sitting there. It still right. annoys the crap out of me, you know. <laughs> um, this was great because we actually get to land in the docking bay and it looks the way it should, you know. And so right. I loved that. Yeah, yeah, and I. You know, you mentioned uh, the mechanic, uh, Peli Mato. Um, I She was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that character. Um, you know, Christy said it, and uh, 
you know, she's like, oh, she reminds me, like her look reminds me of Ripley. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, is it Aaron Ripley? Is that her first name? I'm trying to remember. Uh, but from Alien, of course. Yeah. Um, and and I was like, yeah, that's that's actually great because that was what I loved. I was like, yep, yeah, there's that '70s hairstyle, you yes, know, that, that yes. she has. Well, so, and she's also rather eccentric, which I right. think fits for somebody who li- one lives on Tatooine and two apparently spends most of their time with pit droids. You know, so uh, I thought all of that really worked, um, and so. The Mandalorian has got to find something to do with Baby Yoda, or as I mm-hmm. like to call him, uh, that I saw, and I'll, I'll give full credit to Charles Sewell, he tweeted this, um, but I like to call him Yiddle, because um, he's, he's he's little, but he's he's a Yoda little, so he's Yiddle, uh-huh. um, and so he's got to find something to do with him, because he can't keep just leaving him in the ship or taking him with him, because that does not work. So he's got to find another solution. He, that or he's got to find a playpen that this kid can't get uh-huh. out of. Yeah, well, I, I, I got to say, Charles, I don't know if you're listening, but the, the, the dad jokes are getting to be a little ridiculous there, buddy. <laughs> well, I thought it was, I think it's perfect. Um, and I love all the dad jokes in the show. I mean, the fact that we, uh, we have all of these great dad jokes coming from a Mandalorian just cracks me up every time. Yeah, I, no, it is though, but that's when I'm just like, oh my gosh. It, it, Charles has been on a, a tear lately with the dad jokes. Um, but, uh, I actually heard some, or I saw, I think it was on Facebook, and I actually did like this one. They call him Yobi. Yobi. So they just basically took Yoda baby and just mashed it together. Uh, I see. I see. Hmm. So I was like, yeah, yeah that's kind of kind of cute. I mean, um, we're all just going to keep calling a baby Yoda because it's just super easy. So it, it's look, anything's better than Yodel. Yes, I that <laughs> y- that's why I like Yiddle, because um, oh, yeah. it sounds like a little kid trying to say little anyway too. It, oh, look oh, how true. Yiddle it is! It's so Yiddle, right? Um, right. So, what did you think of one the way that the people on Tatooine have responded to the end of the Empire? Because <laughs> they uh, they they apparently took it uh, pretty seriously. I, you know, honestly, I'm kind of surprised, right? Because it seems like they're the, you know, like Luke says, he's like, oh, it's, uh, there's a bright center of the universe. It's the uh, planet that's the furthest from. Like, they seem to be the less or the least affected by the Empire, you know? Like, there, there doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of difference uh, in Tatooine in the prequel trilogy to the sequel trilogy, you know? Like, it's, it mostly seems about the same, so it's like, wow, you guys responded way more violently than I would have expected. Well, and and this is the thing that I, I was thinking of, is that we don't really know a lot that happens on Tatooine after Luke mm-hmm. leaves. So, you know, you never know that there could have been um, an Imperial presence left there. Uh, and right, right. You know, apparently they responded pretty violently. You know, um, heads and, a, and spikes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's nice, right. and the the visual imagery too is it is one of those shots that was just really cool. As he walks by and it kind of pushes into those helmets, it's great. 
Yes. Yeah, that that was such a cool shot. And it was, I mean, it was almost, um, you know, it, it reminded me of like a shot that you might even see in like a horror film, you know, mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah. oh, no, you know, don't go in there. This is the bad place. So uh, I, I thought it was fun. You know, I like how there, there were things like that that showed some change. But then there were some things that very much felt the same, you know, seeing the... Uh, I don't know what the actual... I know it was the EV-99, the torture droid back in Jabba's palace, but this one seems to be serving drinks. (laughs) So, get this, though. The bar that where droids weren't welcome is now being run by droids. That's kind of weird. Now, I mean, was that... Was that Chalman's, or was that just another... Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, mean the it, door, it, I thought it the very entrance, much everything's the same. the same. Yeah, so I just think okay. it's funny that you know droids now apparently own the bar. So. <laughs> That's why he's like, he's like, droids took our jobs. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Uh, it, yeah, droids are just taking people's jobs. So. That's right. Were had a he had reason to be concerned. Um. And yeah, and talk talk about you know like callbacks and stuff. Of course, we we meet uh, Toro, and of course he is. Uh, I, I wrote down in my notes that he's in the Han seat. You know, he's sitting right there in that same booth with his legs popped up, just like Han. You know, I was like, oh, and that's funny. Of course, the bounty hunter is going to come sit on the other side. Yeah, I that that scene was really interesting. One, um, does that kid remind you at all of? He 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 looks like he could be Hayden Christensen's brother. Yeah, I I I could see yeah, I could see that. I was, you know, because this one of course, I mean we I totally forgot to mention the name of this episode is The Gunslinger. Um who he really reminded me of is the the kid from Unforgiven. Mm. Uh it was a 92 uh, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. Uh, really good movie for anyone who's not seen it. But he reminded me of, of, of that kid so much because, you know, he, he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, I, he's like, have you ever killed anybody before? He's like, yeah, I killed, you know, these people or whatever. And, you know, I beat the one guy with a shovel and blah, blah, blah. You know, and he's full of crap. You know, like he's just he's this hot shot kid. And that's who uh, those were the vibes I was really getting. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. He, he does. He's kind of, like I said, he's kind of like the, the Hayden Christensen trying to be Han Solo. Yes. Well, but not only that, <laughs> I mean, he is, he's he's trying to be more than he is. And he's trying to pretend mm-hmm. that he's more than he is. And and what's funny is to just kind of watch, you know, the Mandalorian play along with it all. Because right. he honestly could care less. He just needs the money. Right? Right. Like, and, and so... What I, that's kind of one of the the characteristics I love about the Mandalorian is just that he's not here to play people's games, but he'll mm-hmm. play whatever game people need him to play to get whatever he he needs to get. But he he doesn't actually care about your stupid games. So right, I I just really liked that, and um, I thought that this was kind of an interesting way. Again, this is where I felt like it almost seems like that type of story that you might have seen play out in the Clone Wars where Cad Bane is trying to kind of like teach Boba Fett some things that he doesn't know mm-hmm. yet which to me this that's cool I mean I'm glad we're kind of it, it's interesting to kind of get this kind of story and 
we learned something in this episode. We learned what it takes to get into the Bounty Hunter Guild. You have to actually pull in your first bounty. You don't just get to be in the guild and then they give you an assignment. Then they give you an assignment that says, if you can pull this off, then you can be in the guild. So I thought that was really interesting right. too, that we kind of learned a little bit about how things work in this universe. Yes. Well, I mean, and uh, definitely some other things as well. Um you know, I'll, I'll get to in a moment because I was like, oh, nice little uh, thing. And Christy, actually, she she loved it, too. Um, well, I, I jump ahead just just for a second. But we, we learned that uh, uh, Tuscan Raiders use sign language to, to yeah. talk. And yeah. I, I thought that was awesome. That was such a fun. It seemed like to me it's almost like they have a language that's so foreign that nobody else can mm-hmm. understand it, so they just speak in sign, which, yeah, I liked <laughs> that too. Um, I also thought that was a, again, that's a way to use Tuscan Raiders in a way that we haven't seen before. And and right. so you added something new to Star Wars, even though you made a callback to something that we already know. Exactly. And to me, that's the right. way to use this kind of stuff. And in, in the same way that, you know, we might have gone to most Eisley, but we're doing different things on Tatooine than we've done before as well. Like, it's not about mm-hmm. going to the bar, really. It's about being here to chase this assassin. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, you take you take the old colors and you take some new colors and you, you mix them together. You know, you, you get a new picture that way. I, I, I'm, I'm all about it. I, I like I said, I, I love seeing some of the stuff that's familiar and seeing it from a different side, you know, seeing it a few years later of like, okay, what does this really look like? You know, like, Oh, that, that's surprising. We didn't expect to see the droid serving, serving the drinks there. You know, um, we've only seen Tuscan Raiders as, you know, being violent and, and we never really thought that, Oh yeah, this is somebody that you can actually negotiate with. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy, getting to see the same things but in a different light yeah and you know that that's cool you know like i one thing i, I know i was kind of just really obsessing over was was the off-world jawas and i was just like what what like but jawas are only on tattooing <laughs> you know so yeah like i said seeing all of these different things and be like what no tuscan raiders don't negotiate they don't oh oh well, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I thought that was interesting, uh, too, because then you've got them negotiating, but they're negotiating for something that they normally wouldn't have unless somebody came right. through their territory. And uh, I think the, the reason they're negotiating is because the Mandalorian approaches them out of out of respect, right? Right. You know, he doesn't right. just start crossing their territory and get caught. He stops mm-hmm. at their territory, waits for them to show up, and does the negotiation. So, you, again, I think we're learning something about the way that Tuscan Raider um, behavior and culture mm-hmm. is like. And so well, I yeah, thought that he was even really said cool. Something about, yeah, he even said something about, like, oh, this is their territory, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know, the, the kid was talking uh, real big or whatever. He's like, well, you can tell him that then. <laughs> and then they're standing right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Which we... Sorry, I, I got super excited about that, so I jumped ahead. But of course, uh, Toro, you know, he he wanted that bounty. Uh, Finnick Shand is the the character. We we later find out that uh, you know it's, that's uh, Ming Na Ming Na Wen's character. Um, 
that that she's playing in this, but uh, you know, she's a, an assassin, and uh, seems like the kid got his uh, information wrong, and you know, he he did not realize, I guess, how deadly she is. Yeah, I I liked. This is another fun thing that we we learn. Um, you know, we hear about uh, the crime syndicates and the fact that she's you know killed for them all, and mm-hmm. she's even worked for the Huts, which. You know, obviously right. with Tatooine, it, it makes sense that you would mention that as well, since they used to have a huge presence here with Jabba um, just six years back. And so, yeah, I really liked that, too. And I also kind of liked this idea that there are, you know, different levels of the these type of people where she specifically mentioned as an assassin. Like, her job is to kill mm-hmm. people, not hunt them down and bring them basically to justice. You know, right, um, right. So I think that's really uh, interesting. Is that it's a it's a different type of job. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're a good killer, you can make a lot of money. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I I thought, it, like I said, I, I thought her character was very cool. We'll, uh, jump to that here in just a second. I, I did want to. Uh, so I think we got everything covered there. Jump back to the Tuscan Raiders. Just one other thing. I, I did like that they the thing they wanted were the uh, the Binox, which I thought was kind of great because they're like, oh, those are those things that kid was spying us. <laughs> that stupid farm boy was spying on us with. I want a pair of those. <laughs> you know, just yeah. Uh, I really almost, liked. I liked that because, um, you know. Again, it makes sense that 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 wouldn't be something that they would normally get. It's not like they're going into town and buying stuff like this, you know. Right. So that kind of technology. I also um, just kind of back a little bit on uh, the uh, the Pelly character. I just uh-huh. loved that. I feel like she's kind of an avatar for all of Star Wars fans who are in love with Baby Yoda, you know, because she's getting <laughs> right, to spend right. all this time with Yiddle and enjoying it. And I also just kind of liked that she she speaks some sense to the Mandalorian and like you can't just leave the kid in the car, you know? Right. You can't leave the kid in the minivan alone, you know? It's and like, so again, I rolled I the windows down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I left the door open. Um but I think it speaks to that what I was saying earlier. It's like he he has to find something to do with this kid, you know? He has to find a way to um to, to be able to keep it safe because you, you can't leave it in the van uh, mm-hmm. and you can't, <laughs> you you also just can't keep taking it with you on dangerous missions. So, um, well, he I, can, if he gets enough Beskar to make a Beskar papoose, <laughs> that's true. He could do that. That's I'm surprised he didn't just have to make <laughs> one of those. Um, or, you know, like make it a Beskar egg, you know, that he carries in him in. Right. You know? So, um, but, and I think this this speaks to the fact that it would be nice for him to have some more people that travel with him, you know. Uh, right. So hopefully, uh, you know, by the end of this the season, you know, somebody like Cara Dune will be traveling with him, and maybe somebody else. It just mm-hmm. I feel like he needs some help. You know, you, you, it's hard to take care of a kid on your own, especially when you're on the run from the bounty hunter guild, which you pissed off. Hey, that uh, <laughs> single dad life is tough. It um, is. It is. Man. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we, I do. We uh, need a new video with the Mandalorian uh, talking about the dad life. 
<laughs> like right. singing about the dad life, they would be great. Um, yeah, I, I liked how you know I picked up on that that they knew each that uh, Pelly and, and uh, the Mandalorian knew each other, and then like you mentioned, you know he he was he knew what to expect with the uh, Tuscan Raiders, so he very much is is. Um, familiar with with Tatooine so it seems like he's been here I didn't for pick quite up that they time. knew each other how did, where, where where did you pull that from oh because of the droids um I, I don't think he ever mm. told her no droids beforehand um no he did but remember because he gets out of the he he comes out of uh, mm-hmm. the ship and he shoots the droid and he's like no droids and then she's like you don't have to tell me twice Okay, all right. Yeah. I, I must have missed that somehow because I I thought that uh, you know he was like all like oh the droids or whatever and she's like you can't shoot my droids blah 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 or whatever and she's like yeah yeah I know no droids or whatever so yeah I, he he had said no droids so okay I had just kind of assumed that they they seemed like they had a bit of familiarity because um, there's a few other things too that that were said um, that kind of like I said sort of just made me think that they'd been there and. Uh, but I don't know. I'll have to watch back through. Maybe not. Um, but, I mean, he was familiar with uh, Tusken Raiders, though. Yes. I, I wouldn't imagine yeah. they're on other planets. Well, and, and that's where it does seem like he's been to Tatooine before, for sure. Right. I mean, he knew the right. bar to go to. To I mean, it, there's there's never been a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. So <laughs> he knows he knows this. Um, so yeah. what did you think of... The you know after we meet the Tuscan Raiders, what did you think of uh, the the Dubak? Yeah, not just that, but I mean the setup. You know the fact that that mm-hmm. she's set this up as a as a kill box basically to take oh, out yeah. whoever yeah, comes I, next. I saw, <laughs> yeah, I saw that from a mile away. I was like, nope, nope. I've seen this movie. <laughs> this is a trap. Um, it's a trap. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's it very much reminded me of um, like a lot of war movies and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, where the they the sniper basically uh, they set it up where you're like, oh, it's my fellow bounty hunter. What is oh, darn? They shot me, you know, so it's uh, yeah, I mean, I, I saw that coming, you know, from <laughs> a mile away, I guess, pun intended. Um, (laughs) sorry I guess pun not intended because it kind of got me there Um, but I mean yeah like I said I like it you know someone I was actually talking everybody you know I I forget I'm even wearing a a Star Wars t-shirt and then everyone's like oh have you seen the Mandalorian yet and I'm like have I seen the Mandalorian yet you know and and, but the guy at CVS tonight was like well he's like I didn't care for the first episode because I felt like it was a bit tropey or I'm sorry not the first episode the the, uh, fourth episode it was a bit tropey or whatever and I'm like I don't I don't get so bothered by that you know like I uh, you know like with this it's like yeah I've seen this before I know what to expect but sometimes you know when you get comfortable like that then uh, things will pop up that you don't see coming. And, and I definitely think that that happens in this episode as well. Yeah, I mean, you just have to look... I mean, all of Star Wars is has pulled things from the, the genres to which, you know, George Lucas loves. And, you know, mm-hmm. the Clone Wars does this a lot too, where it, it takes a, uh, a genre, like, say, my favorite example is, the you know, the monster movie, 
and turns a Godzilla movie into a Star Wars episode. You know, right. so that's one of those things, and you're trying to see how you can push it. And so here we truly are using as many of the different type of Western uh, film ideas as we use we have because that's that's what we're we're doing is is the gunman story and it makes sense to me i have no problems with it and like you said they also do a great job of changing things up and and so like i feel like here where you know they are able to capture her and then it's the it's the mandalorian who has to go get the do back and you know, the the young kid staying there and the way that he kind of like completely turns on her and the fact that he doesn't care about money, which seems very strange. Like he kept saying like <laughs> he doesn't care about the money. I'm like, why wouldn't he care about the money so much? Why is this all about just being in the guild? What is this to him? But the way mm-hmm. that he just like turns on her, I did not expect him to shoot her. That was unexpected for me. Maybe maybe I missed something, but I just did not expect no, to I- see that happen. I that was a massive shock for me as well. Yeah, I because uh, to me, I, I told Christine, I'm like, yeah, I've seen this from before. I'm like, he's Mandalorian's gonna go. Oh, Dubak's not too far off. I'm gonna go get it. Surely he he's not gonna get duped before I get back. And then of course, she was the viewer goes, oh yeah, he's totally gonna get duped before you get back. You know, and I I I saw it as, oh, she's gonna you know dangle the carrot and he's gonna go for it. And as soon as he does. You know, she's going to uh, take him out. And then the Mandalorian has to clean everything up. Like, that's what I saw happening. But no, he just <laughs> he just murders her right there in cold blood. And I was like, that is brutal. I never saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think what it did is it, it made for a more, you know, interesting issue. Um, now, I have to say, too, I mean, you've got to feel bad for anybody who's running into the Mandalorian because they're pretty much going to end up dead if they're not on his side. Um, I, you or know. Carl Weathers. Yeah. Um, you know, Carl Weathers is still alive right now, so, you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, the only person that the Mandalorian's kind of run into that he's worked with that hasn't ended up dead is Cardoon. So, you know, mm-hmm. that, that speaks highly of, <laughs> of her. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know... He's, he's, he's no nonsense, and I just, I like that about the character, and I, I thought that this was another interesting story in a way to have him be on the run and, and not quite do the same type of story that we've done before, like, you know, this isn't mm-hmm. somebody he's going to like or really be a fan of that he's working with. Um, this is really about expediency and money. Um, yeah. So, and it is interesting too. He is trying to teach this kid something, but this kid really doesn't want to learn from him. Honestly, right? Um, he just he thinks he's going to be able to use the Mandalorian. Um, what he doesn't mm-hmm. realize is just how much he has to learn, which is yeah. his his downfall. Honestly. So you're saying he's Tommy Gunn from uh, Rocky Five? Yeah, Rocky Five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really do. He, <laughs> just, he truly has, uh, this kid had a lot to learn, and of course he's yeah. dead now, so, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it just goes to show, too, like, I, th- 
bounty hunting is a dangerous profession. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the client said that in the first episode. And I think this episode does a great job of showing you how dangerous that is, right? Right. So, um, so a few questions that I was thinking of as I was watching this. One, the assassin, Fennec, says that she has a meeting in Mos Espa. Mm-hmm. Who do you think she's meeting with, or was going to meet with before she got shot? I don't know, um, but we know that she has, you know, she has these connections with uh, these syndicates. So, mm, I'm trying to think who, you know, who's left essentially that that she could have have some sort of a, a connection with as far as these these syndicates so you know probably the the easiest go-to i would think would be maybe a hut you know hmm. um uh maybe it's a rota or rada rada the hut oh uh stinky see <laughs> so my thought process is this, uh-huh. and this goes to the end of the episode, the very, very end of the episode. I think that the person that comes and finds her in the desert is none other than Grief Karga, mm-hmm. and I think that he was the one that she was going to meet in Mos Espa. And that he was going hmm. to hire her to assassinate the Mandalorian. But of course she's dead now. Or at least we think she's dead. I'm, I mean, mm-hmm. but I mean, she looks pretty dead. So, see, so I, I, um, I guess we can, because uh, there's, there's still some stuff that I, I want to kind of pull up before that. But I, I will say with that, so you're talking about that, that character that comes up. I, I really got a, a Cad Bane kind of feel from it because um, they had that, you know, the whole, uh, I can't think of what, like the spur, the boots on the spurs, like the clinking noise, like walking up. Um, That's true. I was That's really true. Getting, but they also had very skinny legs um, and, and they were unarmored. What kind of ran through my mind that I thought would be cool is what if this might have something to do like uh, almost um you know similar but different than um oh gosh i cannot uh, zam wessel you know how Z- zam wessel had the the shape changing type thing i'm wondering if this is not a character who almost uh can maybe like make duplicates or something and i was wondering like oh wouldn't that be interesting if if that was like a duplicate of um uh, of the Finnick mm. character. Yeah, see, so I, the reason that I think it's grief is because mm-hmm. the, like you said, the boots there, it's it's unarmored boots. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, I even, uh, I, I, I took a screenshot and then I blew that screenshot up. Uh, not blew it up, but I, I, I changed the lighting um, in it and, and, and accentuated the lighting in Photoshop so I could get a better picture uh, of the like the, the some of the detail on the boot. Right. 
and it looks kind of like the boots I would expect somebody like Grief Karga to wear because they're not Mandalorian mm-hmm. boots. Um, he also wears a very he he wears a cape too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I did notice the the cape. Yeah, and so um, you know, I know people are like, oh, it's it's you know, it's Boba Fett, which I I think that's that's not true. I don't I don't think they're gonna go that way. Um, I I just anyway, that's my that's my theory is that it's Grief Karga. And that he was mm-hmm. going to hire her uh, to to track down the Mandalorian, which would make sense since she's a uh, a, a bounty hunter, um, right, and an assassin. So um, I don't know. I, I'm it to me though that was utterly fascinating. So I would be over the moon if it was Cad Bane. I he's my favorite right. bounty hunter. Uh, you know, I guess now the Mandalorian would would be right up there too. But man. <laughs> um, you know, absolutely adore Cad Bane from, and and if we could get him, uh, I would love, love, love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I feel two ways about it because I almost feel like Cad's dead now. I know that. Uh, see, I guess it would have been Celebration Orlando. We saw the, you know, the the clip about how uh, Boba got his dent in his uh, helmet, but of course. I guess that's not canon until it actually, you know, comes out as a thing or whatever. But I, those type of things, I feel like, I'm like, eh, Filoni had it, sort of, if that was the way he wanted to go with it, I don't think that he changes that, you know, if he can help it. But, uh, I mean, maybe so. There's, uh, there's, it's just sort of waiting and seeing yeah. with it. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely want to see Cad, but then I also kind of just wonder if, you know, if Filoni's just very much set on, you know, Cad Bane's dead. Um, what did you think of his plan to actually capture um, uh, Fennec? I thought it was great. Um, you know, one, I think it shows how smart the Mandalorian is mm-hmm. and why he's so good at his job. And, you know, he's running all the odds and... and you know the odds are slightly in their favor uh, with this plan. I think with right. the speed and the ability to um, to to knock out her scope just enough, mm-hmm. and uh, you know again too with him and the Beskar as well, it helps <laughs> obviously because yep. you can get shot and not die because most likely you're going to hit, especially at that range, you're going to hit him in the Beskar. So uh, and I mean, it was good. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, that was, a, and watching her tussle with um, the kid, Toro. yeah, with Toro yeah. was was uh, was great. You know, it was a good fight. Um, I will say, I'm getting a little bit tired of every time a female is fighting a male that she has to go up around his neck, uh, uh, Black Widow style, and then pull him down with his arm and everything. Oh. I'm like, I'm getting a little tired that they use that move every single time. But, yeah, um, I, I hear you. But it was a good fight, you know. Again, yeah. Um, I well, think the and whole I, thing looked great. I was actually a bit surprised by that fight because I totally expected her to just mop the floor with him. You know, I I was surprised to see that he was as capable as he was because, of course, like, you know, he just, he seems to be all talk and everything. And I was like, oh, wow. I, mean, I guess he actually does have some skill. Well, I mean, he did 
he didn't really though. I mean, you think about it because she if the Mandalorian hadn't been there, he was dead. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, I, I'm not saying that like it was uh, you know, it was even by any means, but considering how they talked her up as being this very dangerous assassin and everything, I didn't think he would last two seconds. You know, I, I expected it to just be him like, aha, I got you. And then her grab the gun and flip her, flip him over her shoulder yeah. and it's no, over. I you know? what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I was actually really surprised by that. Um, I, I thought it was pretty cool because I, you know, the, the whole plan from the start, you know, when he's like, oh, we're going to wait tonight or whatever. I, I didn't it, like it didn't process in my mind of like oh because I know she'll be using uh, infravision and we'll fire the flares and uh, and that'll completely uh, blind her scopes. I loved that. I thought that was such a cool thing, and it made for it. Actually, I think it did two things well. One, I think it made for an awesome and unique visuals, but it also. Um, was cheaper on the budget as well, you know, because <laughs> you can, uh, it's it's a lot easier for them to to film, you know, essentially like blurs rather than having to do all the the CGI and everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very cool. Yeah, no, I think um, it I think it worked out well too. Like you just said, visually, it it makes it a little bit more visually interesting to be able to do mm-hmm. that as well, and um. And and then I mean I was just thinking too that the fight there and in, in this kind of like very you know in in the only the moonlight was was pretty cool um, too between mm-hmm. them um, and then I just love you know the Mandalorian showing up and you know the kid's been taken down and <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, like hey, good distraction you can't say it gr- yeah. Why don't you go find your <laughs> blaster? Uh, it was just great. Um, all of his like dad lines right. were too. Uh, Toro the, the, t- this week instead of to Baby Yoda, which was hilarious. Like, why mm-hmm. don't you go find your blaster? Like, just yeah. classic. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love he he has that deadpan delivery, you know. And that's to me, I'm like, this is this is Star Wars jokes, you know. Like, I I really felt like these just worked. Uh, I, I think Favreau really and and Filoni both just you know they really get the humor of Star Wars uh and and how to to deliver it and you know but it to be stuff that i think you know even kids today will laugh at you know um so i it's definitely you know it's not uh you know it's 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 modern but at the same time it still works with that that yeah. classic star wars feel yeah um and of course she you know she starts kind of i guess uh planting you know doing the uh uh playing her psychological game the moment she's captured and she brings up Navarro. And I was like, wait, is this something I'm supposed to have known? And then, you know, she, the contrast was like, Oh, okay. So they're now they're telling us the name of the planet, which I thought was so weird that they waited until the fifth episode to actually name the, the main planet that everything was taking place on. Yeah. See, this is the thing that I think has been really interesting about the show in general is just that you know everything is is kind of from the mandalorian's perspective and like we're learning mm-hmm. everything from his perspective and and things only come up when they have to for the story um everything else is just a day in the life of the mandalorian and so right. i think that's something that 
I've really liked about the show. And, and so, you know, if they mention the name of the planet, it's because, you know, like in the last episode where he's talking out loud to Baby Yoda and, you know, about what planet they might go to. And, you know, and so, um, and then, of course, them mentioning the, the planet that um, you had the Bounty Hunter Guild on that the Mandalorians also lived underground on that got all shot up. Right. I think that is just great. Um, but I think what it does here is it creates a sense of mystery for a moment. You know, mm-hmm. like you're like, whoa, what is that? And then you realize, oh, what they're talking about. And then you realize, oh, gosh, this has gotten all over the galaxy for right. these type of people. This is not good. And that, and that's where I'm getting kind of tired of seeing certain people on like social media with this lat with this episode and then the last episode where people saying it's just filler. It's not. All of these little <laughs> details right, yeah. are getting filtered into these episodes. And the problem is I think yeah. sometimes f- those fans may have not been fans who watched either the Clone Wars and Rebels. And right. that's exactly how Clone Wars and Rebels operated especially mm-hmm. Rebels in that first season. There were a lot of things that happened in that season where you're like, really, this is what we're doing? But by the end of the series, you're like, it made so much sense. And I think yeah. that the writing for this show is following that same trend, which means mm-hmm. that I just have to trust and be patient that they know what they're doing. Um, yeah. But even, you know, just watching the episodes here, I can already see how they're planting those seeds um, and they're moving the story along. You got to be paying attention though, because they are they are dropping things and, and moving the um, moving the story forward each and every episode. But it's not in your face. That's the other thing right. about it, and that's the other thing I like about it. You got to pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm 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 with you, and that that's the thing. You know, it's the whole show don't tell type of situation where. You know, they could essentially cut these episodes out and then just give you a whole lot of expositional dialogue. But that's terrible. That's not fun storytelling. You know, I like that they're like, okay, we'll we'll kind of filter some of this information out there in episodes where, you know, he's he's going to be helping out a village or where he's going to be. um you know, helping out this other bounty hunter who's not in the guild. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, there, there's a lot of people who just refuse to be happy, you know? And, and uh, I mean, I, I said the same thing. I, I still, you know, I, I love uh, Nathan Butler, but he uh, he still maintains that the, uh, the, the fight or flight episode on uh, the, um, the Rebels series was, was filler. And I'm like, you were so wrong on that. That was such a pivotal episode for that series because that was... He's like, well, yeah, because we find out that the TIE Fighter is important. I'm like, no, it's not even that. That was essentially where they, you know, Ezra finally kind of is cool with everybody and, and fits into the family, you know, um, the, the big, the, you know, the, the big hurdle was him and Zeb. Him and Zeb are cool now. Like, they needed that episode to do that. So I think people a lot of times just don't think through that, like, hey, you've got to kind of, you have to let relationships blossom, you know, and and, pe- and people have got to get into certain places. You can't just shoehorn stuff in and say, well, this is where we need to be 
it doesn't make sense for this character to right. be here, but we're going to push them in that direction um, because that's where I want them to be, and that's where I wrote the story to go. I can't stand that. See, and that's the thing, though, as well, that I, I see that this the, the series has been doing, and, and you just think about the last two episodes, they really cement just what a dangerous situation that the Mandalorian has put himself in. Right. That everybody in the galaxy is gunning for him, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so I think what this does in the last three episodes is it pushes the story into a direction where either he's going to have to take head on who's searching for him uh, and put an end to it, or he has to find some allies or something. But, I mean, the the storyline is moving us to a place where he's going to be backed into a corner and he's going to have to to, to take some serious action and, and so we're we're con- we're allowing that to build but we're also kind of continuing to build the world of the Mandalorian as we do it and I've just I've been enjoying it you know so you know I think this is just another piece of the puzzle and I you know it's like every week I enjoy watching the Mandalorian so um I think that's the thing that I I get, you know, like I'm it's the thing I look forward to most every single week. Like oh yeah. It's like why is it not Friday so I can watch the Mandalorian, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Well, at least you um you know, of course you gotta wait till next Friday for episode six, but at least you only have to wait till Wednesday for episode seven. So That's that's true. That's true. And then of course the next day is the Rise of Sky- Skywalker, so Oh yeah. goodness. <laughs> so there's I, I do want to mention because I actually really enjoyed them but of course there were some uh, things in here that were a little more um, you could say uh, uh, um, fan service or whatever but uh, you know I, I love because Christy it's one of Christy's favorite things to say um, so she got tickled where um, of course he goes ah oh, she's got the high ground <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> and she's like ah of course, she she goes. That's right. She goes. You always win if you have the high ground. I'm like, unless you're Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. You know, and unfortunately, uh, yeah, for Darth Maul, he just uh, he he was a little too surprised. You know, uh, Obi Wan mm-hmm. took the risk and made it work. So, <laughs> right. What we learned there is uh, just never to underestimate Obi Wan Kenobi. So, well, yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, he's. He he always wins in the high ground. It's not rock paper scissors when he's involved. You know he's he's always the kid it's who's true. like, no, I've got dynamite. And you're like, ah, <laughs> dang it, Obi Wan. Um, <laughs> uh, I uh, let's see. So there was that one. There was of course the she's no good to us dead. However, that one was actually it was used in a good way. I think. Yeah. Because it's it's initially it sort of seems like. They're just like, oh, remember when uh, Boba Fett said that, right? She's, he's no good to me, Dad. Well, but so we it also seems know that like the- there are different, I mean, we know from the very first episode, there are different bounties, right? Right. You know, right. like, and some people need to be brought in alive or, you know, not. But she obviously needed to be brought in alive or, or exactly. it didn't count. So. Right. Right. And so that, and which of course we find out is important because <laughs> Toro straight up kills her. And so that's where, you know, because otherwise you might have been going, oh, okay, well, 
I guess he's, you know, it doesn't really matter uh, that they killed or whatever. But he's like, oh no, he really doesn't care about the money. He he will totally, um, you know, he'll totally do this so that he can get the best guard to to try to build his own legend. You know, I, I that line ends up being actually very important. Uh, so I, like I said, it's uh, it's something that seems you know on the surface like it's just you know like a little fan service line, but ended up being used very well. Yes, yeah. Um, and now one that I actually really liked, um, even though it's it's a little cheesy, of course, was they kind of did I guess a uh, an homage to Robot Chicken. With the, uh, where, of course, the Mandalorian's, you know, quote-unquote, asleep, and Toro's, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's messing funny. with him or whatever. Yeah, it, it, to me, I mean, maybe that's not what it was, but to me, it reminded me so much of Robot Chicken when Han Solo's frozen in carbonite, and uh, um, Boba Fett's, you know, he's on the slave one, he's like, oh yeah, what about this, ha-ha, you know, and he's like whipping his blaster out and everything, and uh, strutting around, because of course, you know, Han's in carbonite, he can't do anything, and so that's what uh, this reminded me of, maybe that's not what they were going for, but... Until they've say I otherwise, wouldn't be I be surprised. Like I mean, those yeah. those guys all have a good <laughs> sense of humor. So right, right. So uh, it's kind of a, a, I guess, a weird thing to go out on. But that's, I mean, that's pretty much. I think we've covered everything at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if this was my favorite episode of the mm-hmm. season so far, but I, I think the th- the thing that I love that this episode did was that it created that mystery at the very end to really mm-hmm. hook you in and be like, oh man, something's going on and I, I can't wait now to see what it is that's going on. Uh, and so right. we've just got, I think, some great stuff in these last three episodes. I'm sad that there are only three left, but I'm ready to dive in. Like I'm ready, um, I'm ready, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm also really thankful uh, at this point that they didn't do that thing where they dropped all of the episodes and oh yeah at one time because 100 percent uh it's it's just it's so much better this way where we get the chance mm-hmm. to talk about it we get a chance to digest it we get a chance to watch it 12 times and then go to the next episode yeah I, and i i feel like that this is probably going to i, I think that maybe Stranger Things. Um, I'm not sure if they'd be the one to get credit for it, but essentially, you know, we all got in that binge mode and, and they're like, this is the way to do it. This is how you drop television shows. And I think now it's actually with The Mandalorian, it's swung back and I, I, I feel like probably now everyone's going to go to, no, 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 let's do them weekly. Let's not drop everything all at once. Um, which just, I mean, it makes sense. People will continue talking about it all week long and they, they can go back and watch it, you know. There's nothing, you know. There's there's nothing to talk about if you you know the, it doesn't matter that you you end on a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Yep. The only cliffhanger you can possibly end on is the last one, the last episode, and and you wait till next season, and people will talk about it for a week or two or whatever, and go, oh, just, do you think Hopper's dead? Do you think he's in Russia? What's going on? Blah blah blah. And then after that, it's over. 
but if you do it week to week, they'll talk about it for that week, and then they'll talk about whatever the next week. So this is absolutely the way to keep everyone talking about it. And of course, you know, we've seen now that uh, it has actually become the the number one streaming show of all time. So I I would not be surprised if if this does not become the trend. You know that that we start to see people move away from the the binge uh, method of just dropping yeah. everything all at once. Well, I think uh, like you, you rightly pointed out that the, the problem is, is that with the binging, you only have a week to be relevant. The Mandalorian mm-hmm. has been relevant now for the last five weeks. Right. It's dominating the conversation online. You know, it, it's dominating the fan conversation everywhere. It's dominating conversation mm-hmm. in person, you know, everywhere I go, like people uh, are talking about the Mandalorian. Like we had Thanksgiving yep. uh, with my wife's friends, and like that's the conversation for like twenty to thirty mm-hmm. minutes when when every new person arrives is like talking about the Mandalorian and then talking yep. about it again. Like so, this is the way that you do it to keep yourself relevant, um, and it also it just allows people to enjoy it more. Right. So right. absolutely, there's nothing worse than like somebody having watched the entire season and then ruining it online for everyone. And you know, mm-hmm. this way you you keep that to a minimum in many ways. Or so, or even even if um it's not that you you're worried about okay, well I need to really blow through these so that someone doesn't spoil it for me, you know. And right. with you have this, to find I like ten hours, and you're like, I don't have ten hours to sit down and watch a show. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and it's way more enjoyable to me because the thing is, like you you uh, messaged me before and you're like, all right, I've watched it twice, <laughs> I'm ready to go. You know, I feel like that doing it this way, it also becomes a lot more uh, rewatchable mm-hmm. because yep. you're like, oh, I'm I'm waiting for the episode. All right, well, we only have four episodes out right now. So I'll go ahead and watch through those, and uh, then I'll be ready for this one. And next week, oh, okay, I'll watch through these five, and I'll be ready mm-hmm. for this one. You know? Yeah. Um, I like I said, I I am just absolutely thrilled with with how they're they're dropping them. Um, now I'll I'll be super sad come first of the year. Yeah. But but hey, then in February the Clone Wars is back. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it won't be very long. No, and they're already filming season two right now. So, <sighs> yes, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe it could be a, a you know late summer release or something, or you know, I don't know. But um, honestly, too, I th- it makes me. This has nothing to do completely with the Mandalorian, but it makes me excited for Celebration next year and you know the things that we'll be getting because uh, hopefully they'll have you know more on the Kenobi series then and the Cassian series and season two of the Mandalorian if we haven't seen it. So. Maybe they'll announce yes. a new animated show at that point as well, uh, because Resistance will be over. So, I mean, lots of great stuff coming. Uh, so I'm just I'm I'm excited. I mean, this has mm-hmm. me super excited for where Star Wars can go next. So thank you, Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I am right there with you. This is this the Mandalorian has definitely. Uh, rejuvenated my love of star wars you know it's where i'm like okay i i am excited i'm invested i'm 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 there with you mm-hmm. you know and uh, because yeah 
like you said, there's there's all these other shows. I'm like, what's next? You know, my my immediate thoughts when um, we saw the uh, episode three, which is still my favorite episode of The Mandalorian. I, you know, I don't I, I don't know that I could actually put them in order and and still go, yeah, this. I feel pretty uh, comfortable with this. This this is my order of favorite to least favorite. But I can definitely tell you what's your favorite one. Episode three, you know, and and with that, I'm like, yeah, I have no concerns about uh, the Obi Wan series. Like it's, I I think Deborah Chow did such an amazing job on her episode that yeah. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and roll I that think, out. Yeah, and I think uh, all the directors have have shown something and you know mm-hmm. to me and I think we were talking about this in our our group from uh the uh, maybe maybe it wasn't no this is some uh, another group um but anyway regardless we were talking about this idea of, of having the directors do this you know with these short episodes and honestly to me it makes so much sense when you see all the trouble that they've had with directors this is a great way to see if directors yeah, you- are a good fit yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember you bringing that up. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's definitely a great proving ground to see who, you know, who works and and what they have to bring to the table and and yep. see like okay, what can we slot them in and you know mm-hmm. what are what are their strong points? Uh, because yeah, you're yeah. right. You know, and this isn't saying like oh this you know current Star Wars is bad or whatever. This is just saying it's they've had problems with directors, you know, like, like that's just a, a fact that uh, Star Wars has burned or, or Lucasfilm or whatever has burned through some directors uh, to just staggering degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, let's see. I guess basically episodes seven and eight are the only ones that have not had a, a director s- switch in some way. So, you know, it's uh, it's definitely been an issue. So yeah, <laughs> um, so this is great. I mean, and and I think what mm-hmm. we're seeing is is that these directors uh, are handling material really well, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, they're they're bringing some some great visual language to to Star Wars. Obviously, Dave already knows that, but I mean, what we're seeing from the other directors is is that they've got it too. Uh, and so, you know, it, and Deborah Chow's already proven herself. She's getting the Kenobi series uh, all to herself. So. Right. You know, it's fantastic, and, and I think um, mm-hmm. this is this is just a great proving ground. Um, but it more than that, it's just a great show. So, yep, yeah. And then now, I believe uh, you know, and talking about so we also have the Cassians. Now, am I mistaken, or is Tony Gilroy is basically now heading that up? Uh, I know he's doing the writing. I don't know if he's doing the directing, but I know he was writing the show. So okay. that'll be really interesting, I think. Okay, because of course he was, uh, he sort of came in uh, there with, with Rogue One and um, did a lot as far as uh, shaping that up there at the end. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that he probably would be the best person for for the job to, to do that. So, yeah, you know, definitely, definitely excited. And of course, uh, seeing some more, K2SO would also be great. <laughs> but man, I I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Um thanks. This was know, awesome. Definitely going to get you <laughs> get you back on uh here I've probably at the very least I want to, you know, once the very last episode hits, I want to kind of just go back through everybody and um you know, 
get everyone's opinion on on this the full season as a whole. Uh, but until then, you, you're doing uh, a number of other podcasts. If you want to kind of let everybody know where they can find you, yeah, um, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two. Um, and like you mentioned, I do a lot of different podcasts. Uh, one of them I do with your wife, Christy, uh, the Six Hundred Two Club. It's our general geek show over on the Trek FM network. Uh, we talk about all of the fandoms we love. Obviously, we cover a lot of Star Wars over there, especially with all of this going on. Uh, and, uh, of course, The Rise of Skywalker coming out. But we, we're covering as, as many fandoms as possible. So uh, check that out. Christy and I have a great time and uh, lots of guests on there. Um, you can also find me uh, doing Aggressive Negotiations. You mentioned there uh, at the very beginning that I do that with John Mills. Uh, and it's a little bit different type of podcast each and every week. We just kind of uh, think of a topic that we've kind of been mulling over in our brains. So it's it's the type of show where you're just sitting around having a drink with your good Star Wars buddy talking about Star Wars stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun. Uh, if you love Star Wars, it's a great show to check out. And then uh, I do Owl Post with Dre Kaufman where I'm talking about Harry Potter one chapter at a time each and every week, and that's also on the Nerd Party. So those are the podcasts that you can find me on. And anything else I'm doing, you know, any social media, you can find me what's going on. So, yeah, man, thanks for having me on. It, I mean, talking The Mandalorian, I could talk about The Mandalorian all night. Don't you have one more, though? Oh, yeah, and uh, I yeah. do cinema stories <laughs> like, uh, with my good friend Christy uh with my good friend Courtney, excuse me, uh, and uh, that's where we talk about films. But we do that through the lens of faith. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, I've I'd forgotten the name of it, but I was like, wait, no, you have another yeah. one. <laughs> uh, it's hard to keep track it's, sometimes. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Christy. Uh, you know, she's got a whole bunch of them too, and I'm like. I do this podcast, and then sometimes I do Cloud City Casino. <laughs> I'm getting there. Don't rush me. Uh, but <laughs> that's been our show. And, of course, if you'd like to to reach out to us, you can always just send an email to uh, themandocast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at themandocast. Um, and, of course, actually, Matt is the one who made our show art. So Oh, yeah. That was, when you, it uh, was really fun to do, too. So yeah, I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, uh, and I think it turned out great, and you know, looks really cool. You can actually see the uh, the razor crest in the visor. It does. Uh, I so. I liked the way that ended up turning out. Um. So, and uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad it worked for you. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. it definitely pops in iTunes where it everyone does. can go, and they should review and, uh, you. Yeah, find it find it easily and uh, leave a review. Definitely hit subscribe. And thanks again, Matt. And uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. <laughs>